turn in your Bible today to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And the title of my sermon today is, There's a Miracle in Our Movement. There's a Miracle in Our Movement. That's my title today. And we're going to look at Luke 17. And I was reminiscing and actually talking to Leah the other day, just reminiscing about some of the times. If you have kids, especially young kids, how many have had a kids, mine are three years apart, and I remember when they were, you know, eight and five or ten and seven, whatever it was, how many had kids that were jealous because somebody got a turn and they didn't? Did any of that happen to anybody else besides me? Oh, my goodness. When is it my turn? When is it my turn? You know, Bubby got to ride the four-wheeler six times, and you don't let me ride it at all. Well, you're seven. You're not going to ride the four-wheeler by yourself, so... We can oftentimes in our walk with the Lord, I don't know if you relate to this or not, but I do, we can many times in our walk with the Lord ask the question, Lord, when is it my turn? Lord, Lord, when is it my turn for breakthrough? When When is it my turn for my kid to come back? And I celebrate what you did over here, but Lord, when is it my turn to have the baby? I'm celebrating my friends and my spouse and I are trying, you know, to get... to to get pregnant and have a child, and I see all these other people celebrating, we oftentimes ask the question, Lord, when is it my turn to see the miracle? And today I want to talk about from Luke 17 about how there was a group of lepers who Jesus encounters on the border between Samaria and Galilee in a place where not many people went for this very reason. It was an area of outcast. It was an area where you didn't normally go. So we find Jesus here. And we see a group of men that got the attention of Jesus. Jesus is, according to the Bible in this time period, it says he has his face set like flint towards Jerusalem. What does that mean? It means that Jesus knew why, who he was and why he came. And why he came was to go to the cross and pay the penalty for our sins. But we see in this story that there was this group of ten men, a group of outcasts, a group of people who nobody wanted to be around because of their issue, because of their sickness, because of the disease that they had. And Jesus encounters them in this story here. So if you're in Luke 17, give me a good amen. amen. And we'll start in verse 11. Look down at verse 11 with me. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst or some translations say the border of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there he met ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Father, for these next few moments and minutes as we study your word, as we we intently listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to every heart today. That, Lord, even if we're in the midst of a period of waiting, if it seems like we're in the midst, Lord, of a place in the middle where we don't exactly know what's going on, Lord, if we came in here today with issues that we think precludes us and keeps us out of being close to you, 
Lord, would you just wash the enemy's lies away today, Father? Would you just break every lie that the enemy has been? By your word, Father, by your word, God, we know that your truth is forever. Your word is settled forever in the heavenly places, Father. So today as I endeavor to speak your word to your people, God, I pray that the helper would come in this moment, that you would bind every distraction, you would remove any hindrance, that, Lord, your word would flow down to the people of God and bring encouragement today, Father, that you would show us that as we continue to move in faith, you meet us with a miracle, God. We thank you that you're a miracle-working God today. Let your presence flow all the way from the front of this house to the very people that are at home or in their cars or traveling right now. Lord God, we love and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you don't know anything about lepers, and I hope you don't, um, leprosy was something in the Old Testament that if you got it, you had to be ostracized. If you, and leprosy was kind of a general term used for many different ailments of the day. But we see in this story that Jesus is traveling and he runs across a group of lepers, people who had issues. And I, when I study the Bible, a lot of times I as much study where Jesus went as much of what he did or said because I think there's a lot of cool things in understanding the detours of Jesus. That Jesus was on his way from one place to another. His face is set like flint towards Jerusalem because he knows he's going to have to go pay the price and the penalty for our sins. So you would kind of think that there would be nowhere else that Jesus would be thinking of or stopping to do anything except for heading to Jerusalem to finally pay the penalty for our sins. But we see in this story that these men did something miraculous right out the gate. They got the, the very attention of God. Church, you want to get the attention of God. You want God to spiritually intervene in your situation. And I came to tell some folk today that even though that maybe you feel ostracized or feel left out or feel like, when is it my turn, that we can get the attention of Almighty God to intervene on our behalf. Because we see in the story here that these men were at a distance from everybody else. This, according to scholars and historians, probably would have actually been a leper colony. So you had a group of people that had to stay away from everybody else because of their issue, because of their problem, because of their deal that they had going on. And I came to tell some folk this morning, and I want you to listen to me really clearly, that if we think that Jesus is afraid of our issues, you don't know the real Jesus. If you think that you're too messed up or too... Because what they had to do was stay 50 yards from everybody else, lepers of the day. And as they traveled around, they would have to shout out, unclean, unclean, unclean. When they went into town to get food or water, they would have to announce before they ever came into the place, unclean, unclean. In other words, stay away from us. Because we have this issue. Now, I'm thankful that we have a God that doesn't just bypass our issues, but we can get the attention of Almighty God to help us with our issues. Because we see in the story that they would have had to announce. I mean, imagine if when we came into our churches that we all had to announce as we walked in the door what our issue was. That would make church fun, wouldn't it? Gossiper, gossiper, gossiper. Addicted, addicted, addicted. That'd be pretty wild, wouldn't it? But we see these ten men in the scripture that they had to announce 
what their issue was. They had to stay 50 yards away. They had to announce their issue. And we see and know because of this study, and you study leprosy, the thing that is a warning in this passage of leprosy, they would have gotten it by coming in contact with somebody else that had it, but leprosy in the Bible is really a picture of a type of sin, right? And when we fail to understand that the first sign of leprosy wasn't uh, boils on your skin, it wasn't the skin began to turn white and begin to uh, eventually you would begin to have things fall off when it progressed. But one of the first signs of leprosy was actually you began to lose the feeling before you ever manifested anything on the outside. And church, I just want to remind you today that when people come to me and say, Pastor, I feel really guilty about this sin issue, I say, good, because we need to understand that that is, we never want to lose our sensitivity to the leading and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Church, when, when God's conviction doesn't seem like an emergency anymore, then we are wor- I worry about us because we're losing sensitivity to the conviction of God. I'm not talking about condemnation. The enemy will come and try to condemn you. Condemnation leaves you with no hope. Conviction is loving, merciful, graceful, and sweet because it's God convicting our hearts to bring us to a new place in Him. Amen? Amen. But leprosy began because the blood wasn't flowing like it was before. The very furthest parts of the person's heart began to not pump the blood in a proper way, and they began to lose sensitivity and feeling. Church, we should never lose sensitivity and feeling to the Holy Spirit in our lives. We should always be sensitive to Him, always be listening for His voice. When the conviction of God feels more like suggestions than emergencies, then we can get into trouble, church. When God convicts us, it's not a suggestion to change. It is his leading to change. But I got good news for maybe some spiritual lepers that are in the house today. You can get your feeling back. You can get your sensitivity to the voice of the Lord, the conviction of the Lord, and Jesus is leading. But I don't want you not to catch this before we move on because... These men would have been isolated. These men would have been ostracized. These men wouldn't have been able to go home and kiss their wives and hug their children and pet the dog. They would have been announcing unclean, unclean, don't come near me, don't come near me, don't come near me. And my point number one today, and this isn't the main point of the sermon, but I absolutely love when it says in the scripture that Jesus traveled the border between Samaria and Galilee. In other words, Jesus didn't take a direct route. And any detour you see in the Bible that is not a direct route to where Jesus is actually going means that he had a much greater purpose in going the way that he did. And I love the fact that we have a Jesus that's somewhere in the middle in this story. Why do I say that? Because if you don't know the Samaritans, the Samaritans were those who had crossed over the Jordan River and they were a tribe of Israel that God clearly said, hey, I don't want you to take foreign wives because if you take foreign wives, they're going to introduce foreign gods to you and eventually you will turn your back on the true and living God and you'll run after idols. You'll run. So my point is the Jews absolutely hated the Samaritans. But I thank God that we have a God like Jesus that isn't afraid to go on the border... Or get into the messy middle because even though the Jews and Samaritans hated, what that simply means is that we ask a question often, Jesus, are you on my side? And Jesus says, no, are you on my side? I didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. 
He says, I love the Samaritans and I love the Jews. I love black people and I love white people. I love the rich and I love the poor. Come on. Don't don't you thankful for a God that will get down in the middle? Because that's where we see Him passing through. I call it the messy middle, right? This was an area where people who were ostracized dwelt. This was an area, scholars again say, this was probably a leper colony. All the people with the same issue, all the people that had to announce, I can't come near. And you can kind of get this picture that as they're looking at Jesus, they're saying to Jesus, Jesus, surely you wouldn't let us come near to you. And Jesus isn't afraid of our mess. Amen? Amen. Jesus isn't afraid of our leprosy. It is the enemy's voice that keeps us away from Jesus instead of coming to Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can fix your leprosy. And I thank God that He is not on one side or the other. Aren't you glad He's not on anybody's side? We choose His side. Because He came to institute the kingdom of heaven. Aren't you tired of the world being so divided? You know how we unite? Under the banner of Jesus Christ. And understand that He's not on one side or the other. Jesus is right in the middle. And are there things in the Bible that 100% are true and we need to preach and we need to focus on? Absolutely. But church, we also have a Jesus that will walk the border. Amen? He will walk that middle place. He will, he will find, you will find Jesus in places that other people wouldn't dare go because that's the kind of God he is. So if you feel as a Christian you don't really fit, it's because you don't. (laughs) Amen? I mean, does anybody else feel like nowadays you look around and you're like, I don't fit over there and I don't fit over there? Because you're a sojourner. You're our passing through. This world is not your home. And we choose Jesus' side. He doesn't choose our side. We choose the truth, amen, of what Jesus said about any situation. And he goes to the land of in-between. And these ten men intervene into the story of God. Did you realize this morning that you can get the attention of Almighty God? I hope you understand that this morning because it is from a heart of desperation. It is a heart from ten men who said, look, we're tired of living the way that we're living. Sometimes you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. But I came to give you an answer today, and that is Jesus Christ who can fix and heal and forgive and bring you back to a place of spiritual intimacy with your Father. These men were lonely. These men were hopeless. And the only people they could hang with were people of the same issue. Or in other words, they were isolated. Everybody say isolated. Isolated. Church, I think if we've learned anything the last few years is the danger of isolation. I mean, have you noticed when you get isolated, that's when the enemy just starts feeding your head full of stuff? Or, or, or we, end up, we end up thinking somebody's an enemy because we haven't just simply spent time around them. And that's what isolation does. Isolation gets you in your own head. Isolation, we begin to believe things that aren't true about people and you'll begin to believe things that aren't true about God Almighty. In other words, my point is simple. They were isolated, but I want to tell you something this morning. We need each other. So this... this week going into Thanksgiving, this week where we focus on living a life that is thankful, living a life of gratitude. Gratitude is such a huge key in a believer's life. Huge key. So you see Jesus is kind of in the messy middle, number two. Their issue kept them at a distance from people and Jesus. I said this before and I'll say it again. We don't come in here announcing 
the, the, the sins or announcing our issue. And they had to stay away from people. And they had to announce their issue. And listen, you see their brokenness. You see their issue outwardly. But can I tell you in an internal way, a lot of us are struggling. A lot of us have issues. And the first thing we think is, well, Jesus would never want to be near my issue because he's God, he's Jesus, and I'm going to stay at a distance away from Jesus. And it's not the truth. That is the enemy telling you that. Amen? Because here's what religion will convince you of, and it's the voice of the enemy and it's the voice of religion. Jesus does not want to touch lepers. But we see in this story that God is not afraid of our issues. Actually, he's the only one that can help us with the issue. So Jesus walks the border. We see here that they felt like they needed to stay away from it. Not only everyone, but the one who has the answer. And I thank God that Jesus gets in the middle of the mess. Because religion and the enemy will say, well, they'll reject you. And they cried out. And Jesus Jesus didn't say in the story, no, you guys get away. He says this, go show yourself to the priest. And I am so thankful. Are you thankful this morning that, that, that God doesn't call you by your sin? He calls you by name? Yes. <laughs> Are you thankful for that? Yes. The enemy calls you by your sin issue. The, the Father calls you by name and pulls you out of that issue. Yes. If you're willing to repent. If you're willing to turn and go the other way. I love that phrase. Go show yourself to the priest. If I'm the leper who's been dealing with leprosy and possibly gotten so advanced that I've begun to lose fingers and my nose is rotten off and things are getting really bad, go show yourself to the priest probably isn't exactly what I'm looking for. I want to hear a, be healed. Jesus, before I had leprosy, I saw you two, two and a half years ago and you walked up to the lame man and you said, get up. And walk. You walked up to the person and you laid hands on them and their blinded eyes were open. Jesus, the person was deaf and you walked up to them and you laid hands on them and they were not deaf anymore. What God is saying here to these people is that just do what I tell you to do. This isn't Greek and this isn't Hebrew and it's not deep this morning, but I think if God's speaking anything to his people, is just obey what I've told you to do. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. I would, I would, again, I would rather leprosy be gone, rise up, you know, go back to your home, whatever it is. But the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. Listen, sometimes to, the answer to your prayer is an assignment. You hear me? Sometimes the answer to, again, I would want a be healed. I would want, sometimes, it, and I wonder, listen to me. I wonder how many of our unanswered prayers are due to an unfinished assignment. Are you listening to me today? Because, Because they wanted the prayer answered. They felt left out. They felt like, when is it our turn? We've seen all these other people heal. We've heard of your healings. We've heard of your miracles. We've heard of your power. But they're staying at a distance because they don't think that this God, Jesus, the Messiah, would want anything to do with them. But Jesus is already right in the midst or the middle of two groups of people that hate each other. And He says to them, go show yourself to the priest. And their first thought was, we can't do that. We can't go into church because we have leprosy. And it says that as they went, church, sometimes your miracle is manifested in the motion forward doing what God told you to do to begin with. 
some of you are saying, I just, Pastor, I just need a new word from God. I need a new word from God. No, you need to do the word that He already told you. Because the new move, the new word, the new place is tied in with obedience to doing the last thing that God told you to do. What if they would have stopped halfway? What if they would have looked at each other and said, well, I wanted to be healed. I, I wanted an answer to my prayer. Oftentimes, when, when we pray to God, we think that it's just... We love the blessings without any effort on our part, don't we? I love that. I love it when God just drops a blessing, when God just does something supernaturally. But a lot of times, and we miss this in our spiritual walk with the Lord, a lot of times God's going to give you instruction. God's, God's going to give you instruction. Maybe you prayed and God gave you instruction. We love blessings without activity. And he says, go show yourself to the priest. Listen, you weren't supposed to show yourself to the priest until after you were healed. You you went to the priest and said, hey, I'm getting better. He says, I tell you what, go back to your colony. Go back to the place where everybody's ostracized. Go back to the place where... You have to announce you're still unclean. Go back to the place for 14 days. Come back after 14 days. And then we'll talk and look and see if you're truly really healed. But I love this about the story. They never even made it to the priest because as they went, their miracle manifested. And they never had to go back to the place. Listen, when God sets free, He sets free indeed. When God heals, He heals indeed. So they didn't just go over to the priest. They actually went back to their normal life. And can I tell you something? That spiritual authority is birthed and going back. When you get a word from God, you see, once they're walking on the road, they're walking along and they're they're like, well, he told us to go show ourselves to the priest. And they're walking, they're they're obeying what Jesus said to do. They... Listen, I, don't, I believe with all my heart they weren't grumbling and complaining because most of you have talked yourself out of your destiny and a miracle because you won't quit grumbling and complaining about the situation you currently find yourself in. And when we become thankful and we become gracious and gratitude and our hearts are lifted to God and say, God, even though I feel left out and even though it feels like everybody else is getting the thing that I want, listen, if you can keep a heart of gratitude and understand that the miracle happened for them and they went right back to their homes and probably hugged their wives, petted the dog, picked up the kids laughing and cheering. Because listen, when you get a true word from God, guess what that will cause you to do? Go back to the grind. You say, what are you talking about? It means that that translates into our everyday lives of just being faithful in what... They got healed and they went back to work. They got healed and they went back to their families. Listen, if the word you think God has given you is causing you to leave, it ain't the word of God. Because the word of God comes and it places us back into the places of everyday grind, everyday living, every day you wake up and things are better than they were before, or maybe they're worse than the day before. Maybe the person at work's getting on your nerves or whatever's happening. But listen to me, that has just as much value in our lives as anything else. Can I tell you, we need to learn to move before we see the manifestation. We need to learn to move. Listen, we say they began to move before they ever manifested the healing. You see that? And, and we need to learn how to move before we see the manifestation of something because that's called the walk of faith. That, that, that's called real genuine, heartfelt faith when we begin to move on what we feel God is telling us and what we sense God is speaking to us. And we begin to move. Listen, our spiritual momentum, our forward momentum, 
is impacted by us just stepping out in faith. Us beginning to move into what God spoke. And it's as they moved, the miracle manifested. In church, I really do believe this. When it comes to spiritual maturity and when it comes to spiritual growth, I think a lot of us haven't graduated from kindergarten to college. You say, Pastor, what do you you mean by that? Let me explain what I mean by that. Some of you are praying calculus prayers, okay? But you haven't graduated up here from kindergarten. You say, what are kindergarten prayers? What's, what's, What's kindergarten obedience, Pastor? What's kindergarten obedience? Listen, if you can't be learn to be faithful in the little, God's not going to trust you with the much. I mean, we live in a day and time. Young people, listen to me. I know most of them are out, but if you're younger in here, listen to me real quick. We live in a day and a time where we equate a title and a platform to spiritual authority. I mean, y'all, you can Google today and go, 1999, you can get an ordination license and a title. But that does not give you spiritual authority. And we have people operating in titles and positions that have no spiritual authority in their lives. Because they are up here praying calculus prayers and they've never started in kindergarten and worked their way up. You say, Pastor, how'd you work your way up? Serving. Loving. Leaving home. When I didn't want to, begin to follow God on a path forward that I didn't know where it was taking me. Mm-hmm. Certainly didn't know it was going to take me to Walker, Louisiana, <laughs> and Cairo, Egypt, and Mexico City, and Guatemala, and Honduras, and many countries in Africa. I didn't know any of that. But listen to me. I have gotten to the place where I, I am praying big, bold, audacious prayers. Mm-hmm. But it didn't start that way 26 years ago. I just began to serve men of God. Listen, if what God is speaking to you is going to keep you from being faithful to what is in front of you, it ain't God. He says to them very plainly, go show yourself to the priest. And the scripture plainly says that it's as they went because there is a manifestation of the miracle and the forward motion that they continue to obey. Even though, listen to me, even though they weren't moved by what they saw because every step they looked down and still had leprosy. They, they, and then it, maybe the ten of them and they're walking along and one pipes up and says, whoa, my skin's starting to be healed. He looks down again and the healing starts to manifest. And one begins to run off to his home. The second one, same thing, I'm beginning to be healed. And he goes and runs off and wants to see his wife and hug his kids and, and do all these things. Listen, It's when we get a word from God, we need to continue to walk out that word because oftentimes we get in a place where we're like, God, I need a new word from you. I need need you to tell me what to do. If you're not doing what he already told you, he's not going to graduate you up. I watch this in young young ministers and young people want to go into the ministry all the time. Because church, I learned a long time ago that if I get into into the place of chasing a, a title instead of my purpose... You hear me? Yeah. Oftentimes people are chasing some kind, of a, some kind of something that they think is going to fulfill them when really God's pointing them the other direction and says, listen, a lot of spiritual life is just being faithful every single day in the little things. 
They were faithful in the little command because it really was. Just go show yourself to the priest. And as they're moving, as they're walking, as they're pushing themselves forward in faith, they start to see the healing manifest. Authority is birthed in those places. Authority is birthed in that atmosphere. And as they went, they were healed. Listen, the miracle is always in our motion, church. It's always in our motion. You cannot stand still in your spiritual life and think you're going to graduate up. You cannot stand still in your spiritual life and think you're going to eventually get to where God has for you. You say, but, 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 but Pastor, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. True, absolutely. Strength comes in waiting. Miracles come in motion. You hear me? Strength comes in the waiting. The miracle comes in the motion that God has sent you on. Listen, when, it, when Jesus says it's time to get going, my point is get going. We see, I preached this a few months ago about the water to wine. And they drew out water. Jesus looks at them and, and they had the best advice they could ever be given. Whatever he says to do, do it. Go show yourself to the priest. A lot of Jesus' miracles were tied into the obedience and the faith of the people that were getting the miracle happen. So when Jesus says it's time to go, everybody say go. Go. The next one, only one out of the ten came back. Listen, church, gratitude to God is a choice. Are you hearing me today? We're in the season of thanksgiving. We're in the season of thankfulness where we as a nation and a country celebrate and and appreciate the people that came here with God's word, that came here with a plan and came here escaping religious persecution and were carving out a new life of religious freedom from the persecution that they were experiencing. And church, we have to learn. If we want to see our nation change, I tell you a simple key. Let's be gracious. Let's, Let's have gratitude and thankfulness to God for what he is doing and quit focusing on what we think he's not. Does that make sense? If nothing else, it'll change your dynamic. It'll change your world. The Samaritan, the Samaritan. Remember, Jesus is in the messy middle. He's on the border. He's crossing through an area that people didn't travel through simply because Jesus will go to places nobody else wants to go and minister to people nobody else wants to minister to because he's good. And only one of the nine came back. Jesus says very profoundly, and I think this shows us something about, this whole story shows us something about God, that God is looking for the other nine. Weren't weren't all nine healed? But let me ask you a question. Which one are you this morning? Are you one of the nine? Are you one of the one who will come back and literally throw yourself at the feet of Jesus Listen, it was their turn that day. Because even if you have kids or even in your own life, maybe you're an adult that gets pouty and says, when is it my turn? When is it my turn? When is it my turn? It was their turn. It was their time. And you may be wondering when it's your turn, but can I tell you this morning, it is coming. Continue to believe. Continue to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Continue To be near Him. But listen. Listen to me. It's going to be your turn. I never forget it. Our kids are just like, when's my turn? When's my turn? When it is your turn and it's coming for you. Listen. 
we don't think we get a term because we sometimes discount just the simple blessings every day of God that we miss. Am I right? I said it already this morning. If you woke up with breath in your lungs, God's mercy met you when you opened your eyes this morning. Listen, when it is your turn, don't forget to return, okay? When it is your turn, and it will be your turn for the miracle to happen, you just need to keep being faithful in what God's already told you to do. When it is your turn, don't forget to return and to give glory to the one who answered the prayer that you prayed. You say, oh, God doesn't answer my prayers. He didn't answer the way you wanted Him to answer, honey. That's what you're talking about. Because I found out something about God. If I knew everything He knew, I would change my prayers. Because a lot of things He didn't do for you was out of protection for you. Was out of His goodness for you. And if we knew everything, God answered exactly how He he would answer when He knows what He knows. So just trust Him. It's going to be your turn, but don't forget to return. Gratitude and thankfulness. Gratitude is a choice. Psalm 100, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. God has a very clear protocol, evidently, for how we enter into His presence. Church, just because you came to church today and came under a roof doesn't mean you came under the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't. You just made it under the roof. It doesn't mean you made it under cover today. God says there's one way into my presence, and it is gratitude. There's one way, a key to unlock the gate, and it's thanksgiving. We don't get to walk into God's presence with just any old attitude and spirit. Come on, somebody. I hope when you come in here, you come ready. You come with a word on your lips and a a, a thanksgiving in your heart. I'm not talking about what your circumstances are. I'm talking about who holds your eternal salvation and your eternal security today. God holds you in His hand. You can thank Him for that more as much as anything else. God's blessings. The Word says, this is God's will for you. Be thankful now, today. Not tomorrow, not on Thursday when we celebrate Thanksgiving. Today. Listen, in the same way you think and praise your way into God's will, ingratitude and complaining will pull you out of God's will. I guarantee you. Listen, I have seen this. I have seen people complain their way. I've seen pastors, pastors that I know, because they kept grumbling and complaining about where God sent them, they complained their way right out of the will of God. I've watched families, I've watched young people complain their way out of God's will. I've I've seen people complain their way out of jobs. I've seen people complain their way out of marriages. Come on, somebody. I've seen people complain their way. Listen, gratitude and thankfulness is simple, but it's a powerful principle in a believer's life. Because, again, gratitude is a choice. We've had a tough few years. What's your theme heading into 2024? I hope it's gratitude and thanksgiving. Hey, what's your theme for this week? I hope it's gratitude and thanksgiving. So choosing to rejoice no matter the circumstance. Listen, some of us don't return because we think we haven't had a turn yet. Your turn is coming. And we, we think we haven't had a turn because we always compare our turn to somebody else's turn, don't we? 
Oh, come on. Comparison kills. It does. We always feel like, well, my term wasn't as good as their term. They're walking along, and I'm sure, I don't know, this is just speculation, but maybe the one that returned was the very last one to get healed. And he was so thankful that he didn't get left out. Some of you feel left out this morning, but can I tell you the word of the Lord? He left you out to lift you up. He, let, he may have left you out to bring you into something far greater than what everybody else got because the other nine walked away saying, boy, that's, that's great that I got my healing, but I'm going on with my life. Listen, if you could learn to come back to Jesus and fall at His feet and worship Him with a loud voice, the amazing thing about Him falling at the feet of Jesus and lifting up a praise to God was in leprosy, not only did you begin to lose the sensitivity and feeling, which is dangerous spiritually to a Christian, but you, one of the first things that would go was your larynx. So for him to cry out in a loud voice, catch this this morning, the other nine went back to their homes and probably enjoyed their families and, and thank God that this that it attacked my skin and I've lost three fingers on this hand and I've lost four toes and my ear is gone, but at least I can be with people again and not be so isolated and ostracized. There's a whole lot of people in this world that feel ostracized and isolated and Jesus walks right by them because He loves them. And He wants them to see who He is. But think of this. When Jesus says at the very end, don't miss this. Jesus says at the very end, your faith has made you whole. The other nine didn't get wholeness. Are you hearing me? Some of you are wondering how you're going to get whole again. Fall at the feet of Jesus. Look at your life and with gratitude and thanksgiving in your life instead of grumbling and complaining all the time. And well, this guy got it before me and that, their, their blessings better and bigger than mine and that over here. And their, their kid came back into the kingdom and I'm still praying for my, my knucklehead teenager that just can't seem to get it right. We think all these things. When is it my turn? When is it my turn? When is it my turn? The only one that left. Listen. Not only was he healed, but he was put back together. Jesus doesn't want to just forgive your sins this morning and heal you and bring you into the fold. Jesus wants to make you whole. As a matter of fact, he just simply wants to make you who you've always been created to be, but you've let all the junk of the world define who you are. And God says, I want to define you. I want to call you by name. I want to bless your life. I want to bring you to a new place. I want to do something miraculous in your life. And he left whole. Very few Christians ever make it to a place of wholeness. Worship team, if you come, Alexis and Buddy, if you guys come, just begin to play there behind me. And just be ready at the very end. Put, put your heads together. And uh, we're going to praise a little bit at the end. I'm going to have you guys stand up at the end because I'm going to give you three quick things that he did when he returned, okay? You guys grabbing your purses and starting to just sit down, sit down, sit down. <laughs> I'm going to preach another 30 minutes just because you all got up. I mean, Daniel, you just ruined it for everybody else in the church. Everybody. Everybody. I didn't use my extra hour that we took a couple, you know, we moved, we fell back. I got an extra hour to preach today. I didn't use it the last two Sundays, y'all. Leah's glaring at me, so. Number one, if you're taking notes, he returned with humility. Everybody say humility. The Bible says this in James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, the word picture there is interesting. Do I have any football fans in here? 
we got a few. You know what the Heisman Trophy is? Most everybody's seen the Heisman Trophy. It's a man holding a football, and he's got his arm out like this. That's literally the word picture there. Or let, let me put it in a different way. If you've got a niece or a nephew, especially a nephew, they always come up to you and they want to punch you, right? So you just do this. They're swinging. You just hold them by the head. Just quit it. Quit it. Pick them up. Twirl them around. Slam them. That's what I did to all my nephews anyway. They loved it when Uncle Jason came in. We were later on having kids. I had a lot of nieces and nephews uh, when I was growing up. But God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Yes. He, the word picture there in the Greek is we trying hard to grab, and God's just like, nah, I'm looking for something. Yeah. We're trying to get it. We're trying to get our miracle. We're trying to get our healing. We're trying to get our blessing. We're trying to get uh-huh. something for ourselves. We're trying to get that position. We're trying to get that advancement at work. Can I tell you what the first key is that we see this man return with? He just returned with simple humility. Listen, humility is not insecurity. It's not indecisiveness. It's not inactivity. Humility is the complete dependence on the mercy of God. Gosh, just think about that for a minute. God, where would I be? without your grace and your mercy. Where would I be without your grace and your mercy? That, that creates humility in all of us because every good thing that you have came down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow or turning. Every good thing in your life is the genesis of your heavenly Father. We often take, you know, we take the, we take the credit for a lot of stuff in our life. Can I tell you, the only thing good about this man right here standing in front of you is Jesus. And, 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 and what he's looking for is for us to come back and just humble ourselves. He fell at the feet of Jesus. Humility is just simply choosing the low road when it's before you. Humility. The opposite of that, because God says he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I was talking to some. I'll tell you who it was. Hopefully she won't listen to this. It was my mom that I was talking to a few days ago. We got in a spiritual conversation and... We were talking about pride because somebody that she had prayed for, she said, you know, the Lord kind of laid it on her heart that they're, they're dealing with a pride issue. So she gave that word to him. We were just talking to somebody in my family. And she told me that this family member looked at her and said, I don't have pride. And I started laughing because she said herself, she's like, well, you know, I just really thought about it. Neither do I. And I'm like, mama, mama, what? I said, that's the first sign that you have it, is that you don't know that you have it. Huh? And I said, that is the very first. Pride is like halitosis, bad breath. You're the last one to realize that you got it. You hear me? Pride, you are the la- you're always the last one to realize that. Wow. Listen, here's what I tell myself all the time. You prideful, cuz. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So... Humbling ourselves is just choosing the low road. Humbling ourselves is, 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 as the Bible says, consider others better than yourself. Man, if we would just take that one thing and do it in the midst of our congregation, how our congregation would explode with God's presence because God loves to be... God was passing through. He was going to the cross. He was going to pay for everyone's sin. And we oftentimes get so many things on our mind that don't really matter. This mattered. 
This was something that shouldn't have been held up. He was on his way. He was passing through. And he didn't pass through on a known road. He went to the highways and the byways like he's always already. What do I see there? It's the humility of Jesus was the reason ten lepers were healed on that day. He didn't have to ride in a gilded carriage into Jerusalem and be set up as a king in the temple. No, he was out there doing the work of his kingdom saying, anybody that wants to join my side, come on. Everybody say humility. Humility. Number two, he returned with gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Gratitude. The word of God says, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Listen, if there's one thing I want to see you grow in, I'm telling you, the one thing that I would like to see this church grow in, and I would like to grow in myself, is just good old-fashioned gratitude. Just good old-fashioned thanking God. When you turn to God for salvation and you repent of your sins and He comes into your life, you are something called a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's what you are. But church, we should return often to thank Him for that salvation. Amen? We should return all the time and throw ourselves down and say, Jesus, you are so good. Stand with me this morning. The third one is this. He returned and He worshipped. Everybody say worship. All ten got healed, but the other nine never came back. And when you realize, as I mentioned, that the disease was healed, but listen to me. Whatever it was that they lost was lost because they didn't return with humility, gratitude, and worship. Your worship is much more powerful than you just coming in a room and singing songs with your voice. Our worship has power. Our worship connects us with Almighty God in the context of a family of believers that isn't confined to these four walls. We are connected to every Bible-believing church in this whole entire county, nation, world. We're one family. So when we come in and we worship God, we are praising Him that we have been made whole. Maybe, perhaps, He's... Maybe he had lost an an eye and he's finally seeing out of a new eye. Maybe he had lost his hair like some of us in here. Amen? (laughs) The Greek word for salvation is something called sozo. And sozo doesn't mean just salvation for your sins, that your sins are washed away and taken care of. Thank God for that. Sozo is a word that means wholeness. That every single area of your life now has the supernatural blessing and supernatural intervention of God. (laughs) My point is, because he had gratitude, because he had humility, because he came and threw himself down at the feet of Jesus and worshipped in a loud voice that he might not even have been able to speak with just a few hours before, listen, he got wholeness. Listen, by the time Jesus was done with him, he didn't look like what he had been through. Anybody else in here that by the time Jesus has gotten done with you, you don't look like what you've been through, church? Amen? That's a miracle. Listen, I've watched some of you for years now, and you don't look like what you looked like when you first walked into this building because you came and threw yourself on the mercy of Jesus. You came and worshipped Him. You came and gave your heart and your life to Him. And you've continued to have forward movement because, listen, the miracle is in the motion forward in obedience to what He's saying to do. 
And you don't look like what you've been through because when God puts something back together, He puts it back together completely. Amen? You ever met somebody that got super saved? I got super saved when I got saved. I'm talking super saved. I was standing in Frisch's Big Boy in Chillicothe, Ohio, and I was so overwhelmed with all these people around me are going to hell. And I stood up in the booth and I began to declare God's word right there in Frisch's. I was there with some mentors and they grabbed me and pulled me down. What are you doing? But listen to me. I've been saved. It's going to make me tear up. I've been saved about eight months. And there was somebody that contacted me that was in town on business that didn't, had not seen me, had not talked since I got saved. And this was a Christian. And they had been, they had been witnessing to me for years. We were high school friends. And then now later on, they called me and they said, hey, I'm in Columbus for a conference. Do you want to go hang out? And all they knew me by was going to a bar. And I was a little iffy. I'm like, eh, that's what God saved me from. Hadn't I had a drink in eight months? I'd been clean and sober. Uh, But I felt, I talked to my mentor. I talked to some couple guys that I submitted myself to. I said, hey, I want to go and talk and listen to me. It was a restaurant. There was a bar there, but there was a restaurant. And, And when I walked in, when I walked in, this person took one look at me. And they said, what happened to you? I'm in the middle of this bar restaurant and I'm like, Jesus! And man, they began to celebrate. We weren't there to drink. We were there to eat, but I was a little iffy on the bar thing. And she, they were just amazed at what God had done. I'm like, Listen, when God saves you, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Some of you think your issue keeps you away from Jesus. I'm telling you this morning, it's not the healthy that Jesus came for. It's the sick that need a physician. It's why He's here right now. Because you came in and you're like, I'm not sure about this. I don't know about church. I don't know somebody invited me or whatever it is. Could you bow your heads with me this morning? Just give the person next to you some privacy. Because I want to ask this question. First and foremost... Listen, the gospel is not some mechanisms that you flip a switch and you check all the right buttons and then you're saved. Listen to me. The gospel this morning, I'm telling you, it's a proclamation of what God has done. And let me give you the proclamation of what God has done. God himself came in the person of his son. Jesus is God who hung on a cross as the second Adam to pay the penalty for your sin. It's a proclamation of this. Jesus won the victory of the cross. And when he said at the end, it is finished, everything was done. And the way has now been made and open for you to come into a relationship. You can't come into a relationship with God unless you first acknowledge him, repent of your sin, believe that he died and rose again on the third day. And guess what? You begin a new life in Christ. Is there anybody here just by way of privacy right now, every head bowed and every eye closed, you want to just shoot up your hand and say, I want to commit my life to Christ today. Is anybody here? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Listen, you're not alone when we pray this prayer. We're going to pray it all together. And this isn't a mechanism. This is you feel convicted in your heart of the sin in your life and you want to get right with God. I've been telling 
every time I preach, I say pretty much the same thing of this. This is not a time to be living apart from God. This culture and world will take you so far the other direction. It will cost you far more than what you ever want to pay. It will keep you far longer than you ever want to stay. And it will absolutely ruin God's plan and intention for your life if you continue to walk the way of the world and walk the way of sin. So we got five people today that want to commit their lives to Christ. Let's pray this together with them. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I admit that I'm a sinner. And I've turned my back on you. I turn back around now. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Create me a clean heart. I repent of my sin. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. And I believe you're at the right hand of the Father. Change my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, welcome to the family of God. You've done just that. You have, it says, the Bible says that when you pray that prayer and you come into the family, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Some of you knew the Lord. You've walked away. We pray every single week that prodigals would come back home. And you're, you're, you were drawn here today, not by a church or by a pastor, certainly. You were drawn here by the will of God the Father. And His Holy Spirit has brought you to this place. And how many would say with me today, I'm going to live a life of gratitude this week. I'm going to throw myself down at the feet of Jesus in humility. I'm going to declare how good He is. Lord, we do that right now. We declare Your goodness. We declare that You have so great a salvation by which You've saved us, Lord. Father, this day we just bless Your name and let a heart of thanksgiving and praise and worship to You. God, let it continually flow out of these vessels, Father. Let it continually flow out of our hearts and our lives of grateful people, God, today. Father, we love you so much. I pray blessings upon this congregation, God, that they would be blessed as they've come in, and Lord, you would bless them as they go out, that they would be blessed at work and they would be blessed in their homes, Father. Father, that we pray that your face would turn towards each and every heart in life, You would smile upon them, show favor to them, and give them peace. Lord, we pray protection over ourselves this week, Father. God, as we travel around and many traveling out even today, hunting and going to see family this week, Father, I pray traveling mercies upon us. That, Lord, you would keep your hand upon us of protection and mercy and put your angels round about our vehicles and our families, our houses, and everything we care about is in your care, Lord. So, Father, I bless the people of God today. I pray that as we dismiss from here, we may we never dismiss from your presence because, God, you are always with us and you're always beside us to help us and lead us and guide us. Speak your word over our hearts, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, the tithing offering boxes, and I know we got a lot of visitors, are in the back right there as you go out. Um, take advantage of them if you need to drop off your tithes and offerings. Go in the name of the Lord. Be blessed today.